0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Fan Fuel Motorsports Podcast. This is episode number 96 of the podcast where fans feel talk about motorsports. And tonight I'm joined by Keith Merrick. And from now until the end of time, when you see Keith, we are pre-recording because our schedules clash with how we want to do things on the schedule and that is also covering my ass when it comes to my boss potentially seeing this when I'm supposed to be at work so <laughs> welcome in Keith how are you doing hello sir I'm doing good right. music still a little bit too loud uh, do you have a good Easter weekend
1: Easter weekend was all right um, was to have a little bit of family time yesterday before heading into work uh got to watch a little bit of the cup race i watched about four laps of the truck race so i got you know a decent amount of nascar fill so not a bad weekend how about you yeah i
0: i did uh a little bit better than you I watched the entire truck race uh and then on sunday i drove three hours to go watch the braves get their ass beat by the Padres, uh alongside my parents my sister uh, and her soon-to-be husband and his kids. So that was really fun. Uh, the seven of us got to uh, hang out, which we don't get to do since I picked up and moved all the way to South Carolina. So went watched that and drove three hours back home and went to sleep. Now I'm here. All right. All right. Well, it was a somewhat eventful weekend. We were in Bristol on what used to be an off week. Um, so, let's go ahead and start with Woker Joke. Now, let's start off before we get to the, the dirty little Easter basket that was Bristol Motor Speedway. The All-Star format was announced sometime in between uh, last week's recording and the racing this weekend. Correct. Um, so, let's go over that and then we'll start we we'll joke off with that. Obviously, we know what's going on with North Wilkesboro. Kind of a throwback feel. Uh, it's going to be three days of NASCAR events uh, and uh, a couple more days of different uh, short track series, including like on um, stocks and I believe modifieds like they had there last year. They're going to have practice qualifying or practice and qualifying on Friday. Practice will involve all teams, all thirty-six, and the qualifying is now gonna be a revamped pit crew challenge and will also involve all of the race race cars, not just the ones that are locked in to the all-star race. It's gonna be a four-tire pit stop with no fuel and the results. Of that, I'm not sure. Other than the pit stop, I'm not sure if we are doing a bracket, if it's just come in, do a four tire pit stop, leave, and that delta time. Uh, that's that's all we know. Um, uh, but that'll that'll get you set up for the all star race and then your all star open. Uh, and then Saturday, you'll have the Craftman's Trucks race, followed by two heats for the all star. Um, Guys only and they will be 60 laps each with the 2022 and 2023 points race winners past all-star champions and past cup series champions all in the all-star heats the all-star open will be 100 laps on sunday and the top two finishers from that will transfer into the race and a third fan vote winner will transfer into the all-star race which is a 200 lap occasion being split up at halfway and they will have three sets of tires and that's it only one additional set of stickers can be used in the second segment though so that's a bunch of information there but keith is that woke or joke on the format
1: Oh, that's a fat ass woke man that is so cool um, I was listening to uh, a prior episode of the Dale Tres download, and he got a question um, and the question was, if you could have an all-star format for North Wilkesboro, what would it be? Little did we know he was gonna be the guy that was devising it. Um, and he gave a little bit of insight on how it was going to go down. Um, said that with the Pit crew challenge, um, his ideal situation would be, um, the timing line is going to start the box before your pit stall. So, as soon as you hit that first timing line, as when your pit time starts, you get in, do your four tire stop, you get out the box after you. The ending line is going to be where your time ends. Um, so, that's how the pit crew challenge is going to work. Um, he also offered up an idea that whoever is the pole sitter or the pit crew challenge champion gets to have basically a traveling trophy, which is if with, if this, you know, pit crew challenge hangs up for however long um, each year, that trophy goes to the next team. They get to hold it for a year. Uh, pretty cool idea. I like it. It's a nice idea. Um, and then of course with the all-star race itself, um, you know, he was talking about how he didn't really want to have all the crazy gimmicks and whatnot, Um really just wanted to have the first hundred laps be enjoyable for all the fans. And then the second hundred laps, um, is going to be like you said, the one set of sticker tires, which you're going to get to be able to change into. Um, so you're going to see a lot of drivers working on, uh, different kinds of ways to, uh, keep their cars, uh, conserving tires and whatnot. Um, really, really looking forward to it. Uh, this is a very aged surface, So it's going to be super, super cool. Uh, Love the the heat ideas. Love the All-Star Open. um, And I love that it doesn't involve everybody and their mother getting into the All-Star Race. Um, It's a really nice-looking format, and I'm I'm pumped for it.
0: All right. Well, uh, to the demise of whatever my brand is, I'm going to say a joke. Um, I think it's too weak. Everything about the format is too weak. Um, and I know that this is probably a NASCAR thing, not a Dale Jr. thing, but why do we have a tire change available in the last 100 laps? We shouldn't. Uh, these these tires can probably go 150 laps, um, so let me see them save it like you would on a regular Saturday night show. Secondly, opening, opening – all these spots up, I still think we're going to see a massive amount of guys that are locked in just based off the fact that we had 18 winners last year uh, and and however many guys that didn't win last year that may win and before we get to the All-Star this year. Um, that makes me think, eh, why do we need the All-Star Open and and then have heat races on Saturday as well? Why not just do the format that we did for the clash and just not lock anybody in. That's my only thing. Um, And then the qualifying pit crew challenge is cool and all, but I'm never not going to miss no speed limit pit road qualifying for the all-star race. So I think it's cool that we're going back to North Wilkesboro, but I would so much rather be at Charlotte doing everything the way we did for the longest time. And I know that I'm in the minority.
1: I mean, to be completely honest with you, I would love to go back to Charlotte for the all-star race. I thought it was the best place for it. Um, And I I do love the idea of a traveling all-star race. You know, in the last five years, we've gone to four different tracks. Um, We've had Charlotte, we've had Bristol, Texas, and now North Wilkesboro is going to be the uh, fourth racetrack that we go to. And this was an idea that was brought up by a lot of different race fans saying, hey, Why don't we move the all-star event? You know, you go to different venues for different sports. Why aren't we venturing into that same idea? It's cool. I love the idea of going to different places. However, it just always is going to feel like home. When you go back to Charlotte, um, one of the things that I had always wanted to do um, growing up, and same thing with Daytona, was stay for 10 days, at Daytona or even right. Charlotte, in this case, do the All Star race the week before, um, hang out the whole week, and then you're doing all the different festivities from Thursday right. to Sunday, leading up to Six Hundred Race Weekend. Um, the good
0: thing though is you can still kind of do that because the race is at least in North Carolina.
1: Yes, that that is the one redeeming factor about it. And listen, this I think this is awesome way to see what are we going to have fan wise. Um, I I mean, obviously, the, the, the way that everybody's interaction with this has been um, really, really good. The perception's been great. Um, feedback's been awesome. So people are really going to love going back to North A lot of the old school fans, a um, lot of the fans that have become nostalgic of the sport who are getting into it, looking into all the different, you know, little backgrounds and histories of all the racetracks that we have left. And redeeming this one back is awesome. You know, to have this revival of Brooksboro um, is fantastic. And I feel that this is a really, really good opportunity, considering the fact that we've had this traveling all-star race um, for the last few years now um, to kind of keep this theme and go to a place where I don't think anybody had expected it to go to. Um this is also me a really good idea to see how good is this surface? You know, right. I mean, is this a surface? It's peak 30 peak plus years
0: old. And are we going to tear it up? That's, that's it a can, good point as well.
1: Can we keep this, you know, and this is a no risk to anybody who's actually running for a championship. You guys show up, test it with the best drivers you got and see how it goes. Um, so I, I feel overall, this is a great test. And that's what the all-star race has been. For the last, I don't even know, since 2018, you know, when they tried the, yeah. the 550 package with, you know, 2020, yeah, you know, trying, 2020, we tried the choose cone for the first time. We tried moving the numbers around, you know, so there's been a lot of different options that have come around the all-star race. Um, and this could fill in as a spot somewhere on the 2024 schedule if this experiment goes well. Um, so I think it, it's awoke in not just more than one way. Um, I do feel this is, this is a great step for us to get back to our roots, get back to, you know, making sure that we have short tracks on, on, on the schedule. This is awesome. I, I'm, I'm so, so stoked for looking at it right now.
0: Yeah, I, I'm good with, I'm good with everything. I just feel like they had the perfect storm and they just ner- nerfed the format because, They just wanted to. Um, I think I'll probably become a fan of the the picked crew challenge if we continue to do this for over the next couple of years. But when it comes to those two heat races, I think they're unnecessary unless we're just going to throw all 36 competitors out there plus anybody like a Jimmy Johnson or whatever. Um, And – eliminate them down like we do at the clash I just it's just I don't know having those 120 laps on Saturday just kind of doesn't make sense to me so I'm gonna watch all of it though so it doesn't really it doesn't really <laughs> matter so I don't know why I'm complaining uh, but with all that uh, you mentioned the choose cone um, this weekend NASCAR decided to have a choose drone. Uh, so, woke or joke on that?
1: Joke, what the fuck are we doing? What is this? Put a cone out there. Have a, an official run out there. Grab it. Bring it back. You're good to go. I, I don't know why we need a whole drone to have this whole, like, cool the camera shot was cool. That was about it. You know, like, fix the rest of your broadcast, dude. Like, so, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know who wanted this. I don't know if it was NASCAR. I don't know if it was spotters. I don't know what. But, you know, hearing a bunch of the industry saying that it's a joke to them as well. I mean, I don't know who was one of this. Obviously, this is a joke to me. Um, We've been doing choose type stuff, whether the choose cone or the leader choose on short tracks for a couple decades now. And there are two distinct ways to get it done. Is either a a guy with a cone on a rope, you choose, and that's it, you pull it in, or b choose at the flag stand. These are professionals. Why, why can't they do either of those things? You don't need the cone out there. Um, they 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 did this at the um, the race in Florence for. The Cars Tour, for the first time they had a choose cone, they had some guy go out there with an orange bollard, put it put it on the track, and then they chose and came up. That seems to be the easiest option if you want something physical because there is a penalty that if you run over the choose box, you lose your spot You go to the rear. Okay? Well, if you need something physical, they're not going to hit that, that choose drone uh, unless the choose drone malfunctions. Which we've seen malfunctioning things, uh, like, like that camera in the 2016 Coke 600 happen. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. It was just really <sighs> a. It was a clown idea. So I, I'm joke as well. And nothing really no. else to be said for it. I mean, choose at the flag stand. We could do just that stupid. each week. We just don't. Stupid. We don't even need the paint on the fucking ground at the regular racetrack. Honestly. We go to Talladega, choose at the t- choose at the flag stand. What do they do? They slow down from the pace car, and when they get to the flag stand, they either go to the yellow line or go to the wall. I mean, I don't know. It's just another overcomplication for nothing. Um, I agree. All right. So these next two points are kind of tied into each other, and without going too far into the rabbit hole, because we'll probably talk about it again um, near the end, um, there were fan comments on Twitter as well as driver comments from drivers like Kyle Larson and Bubba Wallace that uh, there's no need for bristle dirt and or this is not real dirt racing.
1: Um, I'm going to go woke. Um, I really would love to have a purpose-built dirt track. Um losing Bristol is tough. And I know that there are a lot of different people who are gonna say, Well, look at the fan attendance prior to the spring race hasn't been all that great when it comes to weather. Um, there's a lot of different factors that brought this to fruition. Um this wasn't something that you know Marcus Smith probably woke up and said, Oh, you know, let's you know cover Bristol in dirt. Um, it, it was most likely Something that I think everybody can understand, it's a business tactic. At the end of the day, Marcus Smith is running a business and he needs to make money. He's got people he has to pay. He has promoters he has to pay. He has sponsors that need to have their money given to them. So, there needs to be a business decision made. And that's where Bristol Dirt came in. Obviously, the spring Bristol race was doing all that hot. But they also decided to put this at the worst possible fucking spot. They decided to put this on Easter Sunday and that is such a shitty spot to put a diehard redneck NASCAR fan. I'm sorry like you're you're in the deep south and you are taken away from one of the most important holidays of the folk that live down there and I, I don't understand that that doesn't make any sense you know it's one thing to put football on you know Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving but it's a whole different thing to put NASCAR on Easter. Easter's going to win over NASCAR every single time. So um, I think it's, it's a compounding issue that we are all kind of seeing. We see the drivers aren't thrilled with the idea and we're also seeing the attendance be a problem. So it's, it's, I I don't know. I, I think that there needs to be some, some real thought about it because I'm kind of over the Bristol dirt idea. Um, I know that fan. the drivers started to say that the racing got better towards the end. That's great. That's cool. Um, but we can take that to a real dirt track that can hold the amount of people that actually did show up for yesterday.
0: So there's a lot to unpack with your arguments. But first and foremost, I do want to say that those comments from the drivers are a joke to me um, because you shouldn't be bad mouthing the sport. Based on just these kinds of decisions uh, that have nothing to do with advocating for your safety or your championship, right? When you're talking about these last couple of years, uh, when we're talking about concussions, when we're talking about you know implications on points and stuff like this because of NASCAR decisions that and the other, uh, no. But when you're bashing the sport over something that they're trying to do. It looks bad towards potential fans. And I don't like that. Um, And say, you know, whatever you want to me about, well, they got the right to say whatever they want. Well, that's true, but it's not a good look, right? Um, This is press that I would say isn't needed. And especially like you said, um, this race was gone. Dirt saved it. I'm sorry. Um, this race attendance issues were a thing, even when the race was not this area of the schedule, when it was in May, spring Bristol dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. And I don't know what it is, um, but this is the only way we got to keep it. So, You just got to deal with that. And this is coming from someone who hated the idea at the fir- forefront of it when it was announced. I've enjoyed the racing the past two years. The next gen car actually puts on a damn good show on the, on the surface. So I don't think it needs to go anywhere except for later in the schedule when we're not going to have a conflict with a major holiday in the deep south uh, and rain, which we've gotten in Bristol for quite some time. In the spring. So uh, the couple times they had the race in May, it there was no threat of rain. Why are not we moving it there? We can swap, you know, do this Mother's Day uh, and do Kansas Easter. They don't care about religious ceremonies in Kansas like they do down here. So that's my things. And then also to your final point about taking it to another dirt track. If we do that, we don't have two dates at Bristol, obviously, um, which, you know, I'm fine with because I would rather just have 34 different racetracks on the schedule, period. However, what tracks are we willing to do it? Because you've got people talking about attendance at other tracks. Eldora is probably a no-go with Tony Stewart at this point. Knoxville is flat. That race is going to be just as shitty as the Knoxville race for the trucks is. And then what? Maybe we go to Missouri and go to Lucas Oil? Does that track seat more than 30,000 people? Where is it going to go?
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, it's that is my preference is to go to a purpose-built dirt track However, obviously, there are some pretty glaring complications that come along with that. And there needs to be a pretty long look at what kind of options you can kind of bring around. Um, What those are, I don't get paid enough to spend too much time thinking about it. So, um, Bristol Dirt, it's cool. It's, It's a novelty item. Um, but I really don't see it hanging around too long. And just like you said, uh, if Bristol dirt goes away, Bristol in the spring goes away entirely, Um, which would that be a bummer to me? Absolutely. But if there was something that filled that spot, like, I don't know, Nashville fairgrounds or North Wilkesboro.
0: I think that's the only, that's the only scenario that I would be okay with losing this race because to me, after three years, the racing is getting better. And I feel like having the uniqueness of it, and it not being a shit show like I thought it was going to be, merits it a spot on the schedule. Because when you look at the Roval, when you look at what they're doing with the street course, when you look at a track like Pocono, uh, when you you know when you look at these very unique tracks, it makes me feel like this really is the most diverse motorsport on earth. And these guys have to prove it on so many different tracks. So I wanted to stay just for that notion. Um, and I feel like because we're going to such a diverse schedule, we really don't need the playoffs, but that's another video <laughs> entirely. Um, but I mean I, I enjoy the novelty of it if if it means that we can keep bristol and if you go back and look at the first year of this and what i said prior to that race and even after that race uh you can tell that i've done a complete 180 so um
1: i I mean really what i think it comes down to um you know we were talking about north wilkesboro how they're doing the heat races on saturday i think that's a cool idea but i think the heat races really need to be on race day you know you you kick everything off at you know 2 p.m And you qualify on Saturday, 2 p.m. on Sunday. You bring everybody in, and you do your heat races. You give a little intermission between the heat races and the main event. You're bringing all these people here. You're getting all these people in for hours on end. And you're giving them a full day of, of racing. You know, you're not giving just a few hours. You're giving them an entire day. And it's not, you know, like you go to your local short track, and you have the main event. You got the modified. That's your main event. And then you have, you know, your supporting series. This is all cup drivers running at the same time all day long. Um, That would be a really, really good selling point for me. Um,
0: But we can't do that on Easter Sunday. So
1: that's that's the biggest
0: thing. I think the only way that this thing works moving forward is we have to take it away from Easter Sunday.
1: (laughs) It it either needs to be a Saturday or it needs to be entirely off of Easter weekend. Yeah. that's the only way that this thing goes any further. Um, You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what, what, what SMI wants to do.
0: Yeah. Another point I want to make before we do get mo- moving on. um, They got to make these t- seats. They got to make these tickets cheaper. I took myself and, a bunch, I think, where I got seven tickets and two parking passes for a Braves game on Easter Sunday for less than it would have cost myself and Myra to go uh, sit in the worst seats at Bristol Dirt $78 a piece before ticket master fees. I took seven people to a baseball game on the same day. Yeah. With I two mean, parking passes.
1: It's, so, it's a lot.
0: I mean, I chose to drive three hours in that direction rather than three hours towards Bristol just to spend less money, and I got way more bang for my buck. So that's all I'm saying. That's my final thing. The only other way that we're going to get attendance up at all tracks is to drop the price at least
1: $15. I mean, it's it's a killer. Like, Dover, heading there at the end of the month, and – for a front stretch grandstand ticket to be able to see as much as you can it's 96 bucks a pop. You know, that is Jesus. It's expensive. And Why? That, and that's been like that 10 15 years now.
0: If we were paying that at the height of the sport, which is what we were paying, if we weren't paying less, you know, between 2000 and 2008 before the the market crash happened and people stopped going to NASCAR races why are we still paying the same if you can't get butts in the seats lower your prices to get more butts in the seats because that means more concession money and more merchandising money because i can't spend 80 dollars on a ticket for two people and then spend more money at the racetrack knowing that i've got to pay seven dollars for a coke and ten dollars for a cheeseburger and maybe some fries with that if not the fries are four extra dollars.
1: Yeah. Man, I, I mean, it's, know. it's a lot. What's... I mean, it's, it's 96 bucks for the ticket. And then, I, I mean, the best part of the whole thing was spending 25 bucks so I can walk on the track and be able to, you know, get up on there. You know, that's the best part of the whole thing is, you know, 120 bucks. And, you know, the, the most expensive part of it all was, was sitting in the grandstands. Um, you know, like I know Pocono, they do pretty often. They sent out deals to my email saying, hey, you know, you want four tickets for, you know, 200 bucks in, you know, this section, here you go. And that is, that is not a bad deal. Four tickets, 50 bucks each, I mean, that is that is a hell of a good deal. Um, you know, it's just, ticket prices would be awesome lowered. Um, you know, Daytona 500, I know it's the biggest race of the year, but, you know, I spent a lot of money. On a ticket, I, they I bet okay. they, they. told twenty five hundred.
0: Now, just just to look at other <laughs> other sports, uh, the GP of Alabama, IndyCar, forty nine bucks general admission. That is already thirty dollars less than the cheapest tickets for the Bristol Dirt Raceway. A lot. And you get you get to see the drivers prior. Uh, to sorry, I'm just looking at everything. You get to see drivers prior to the race, unlike in NASCAR, because they have they have autograph sessions on Saturday and Sunday uh, before more You get to see warm up, so you get to see the cars on the track before the race, and you get to see any of their Sunday. Um, whether that's, uh, Indy lights, the MX five cars, the Porsche cup cars, whoever's with them, you get to see them racing as well. So you get more racing for $30 less. I
1: just, I, I think that it's almost like, you know, bringing a Toyota and, and, and a BMW into a shop and you do the exact same work because the badge is different. It's more money. You know, that's, that's really the, the issue that we're at. It runs the exact same. It does the same exact functions. It gives you the same exact feeling, yet because one has a different name and is more expensive. I love NASCAR. I do pride and joy as, as a lifelong fan, but golly, man, I mean, we're not in in the boom of, of the 2000s, of, of no. the late 90s. We're, we're in 2023. Also,
0: it shouldn't be cheaper to go to a damn NFL game than it is to go to a NASCAR cup race. I'm sorry. That's... I mean, it's cheaper to go to a Falcons game or to a, a Panthers game for me, and and, yeah. and ride three hours either way, and I can probably get thirty dollars tickets at either one. Probably,
1: that's. Just, I just. That's rough.
0: I don't. I don't know. I'm. I, I'm frustrated about it. I feel like the ticket price is the only reason that I didn't go, um, and I'll be pissed if they don't do it again because I've. I missed my chance to go the one time that I was actually available on, on the weekend that they were racing at Bristol on the dirt. But, you know, I passed it up cause I just didn't, I didn't see the value in it. Um, yeah. Now, anyways, um, let's go to the truck race. Joey Logano, Ty Majeski, and William Byron finished first, second and third in that order in stages one, two and three, which has never been done in stage racing era which uh was 2017 to now so woke or joke on the fact that the same three drivers finished the exact same positions in the all three stages of the truck race
1: i'd say woke i mean i think it's pretty cool that you know these drivers are all so strong against one another um that they finish in that same exact spot for all three stages just shows they were the class of the field and you got two cup drivers and then you got your uh you know your points leader of, 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 the series kind of mashed between the middle of them. Um, you know, I think that's pretty damn cool, uh, for, for that, you know, it's a nice little nugget, um, you know, to, to say that's the first time that's ever happened. Um, you know, do I see it happening in the future? Probably maybe down the line, you know, but it also took us six years to get to this point to have somebody, you know, some race, um, have that happen. So definitely a, a, a cool little nugget.
0: Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. I'll go woke as well. Uh, if no one told me on Twitter, I would not have known. So that's kind of a joke like, uh, that I wish they would emphasize some of these neat uh, factoids on the broadcast. But uh, I guess I'm asking a little bit too much to have some of that happen. But, I mean, it's pretty cool no matter who it, who it is, even though the, you see two cup guys up there. Uh, I mean, that's a stat line that's a good trivia point three years from now that nobody remembers. Uh, You could probably stump somebody if you're playing NASCAR Trivia with them. So I think it's pretty cool. Um, Next point is heat races slash passing points for dirt races. Uh, Using Bubba's comments about the starting order on this one, he won his heat race and instead of finishing – or excuse me, starting in the top four, uh, which you would on a normal uh, heat race type event, He started 11th because he did not pass anyone because he started on pole. So you earn points for passing cars as well as your finishing position. So how do we feel about this uh, seeing as there's a random draw? Is this a woke or a joke?
1: I'm going to say joke. Um, You shouldn't be penalized for being good, (laughs) Um, for for, for sticking out front, winning winning your heat race, and, and being able to lead every single lap of it. You shouldn't be penalized for that. Is it cool that these drivers are working the way through the field, coming from the back to the front, and, and making their lives easier? Hell, yeah, that's awesome. Good for J.J. Yaley. That's the biggest one that I think everybody has their eyes on, is J.J. Yaley in a Rick Ware racing car. Um, you know that's, that's, a, that's a pretty big deal for him to start third. However, um, Bubba Wallace winning his heat and having to start 11th, um, doesn't make any sense to me. I like the passing points, and I think it's a great thing. However, I feel that if you win your heat race, you should automatically start in whatever position of whatever heat that you wanted. So, you know, heat race, one winner starts upon pole, and so on and so forth. After that, passing points is cool to me. Um, but I do feel that the heat race winner should be able to get seniority, and take over the first four spots or however many heats there are, take over those spots in the front, and then you, you know, put your passing points in behind everything.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go joke. I think the uh, heat race links being 15 laps was pretty cool, pretty pretty much we saw a bunch of people get a lot of passing points, which is why the 23 started in 11th. However, like you said, it's a joke because he did lead every lap. Or maybe Nick didn't lead every lap because he was battling there for a a solid bit. But I think because it's a random draw, it is a joke. Because he and Blaney started on the pole and won theirs. Uh, Or maybe Blaney started second outside pole. And they they get penalized for winning because they started good. So I would say going forward, why not have single car qualifying? And if we're going to do the passing points, invert the starts for the heat races.
1: Yeah. You want a show, uh,
0: give us a show. Yeah. Absolutely. That and uh you don't you can start if you can start the pole sitter on pole for the main event if you want, or you can just say passing points go and first, second, third, and fourth start last in their heat. So they have a potential of twenty points. So yeah. Uh um, that 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 puts sadly though, JJ Yaley out of the biz out of out of business because, you know, he's probably going to qualify in the back, so he might be able to get two extra points. But if he can stay up there and still finish third in the race, he'll get seven plus one at nine points. So I think that would be the best way to fix it. Not confirmed for 2024 was the point that Marcus Smith made uh, when we hear about this race getting put on the calendar during pace laps in 2021 and 2022. So when you look at that, that they're not sure what's going to happen next year, how do you feel? Are you woke or joke that we don't know if this is happening or not? And we're a year out.
1: Um, I'm going to go woke, you know, because there have been several situations in which we've had a schedule conflict for a long period of time. Um, I, I feel that SMI needs to kind of go back to the drawing board and see, should we keep this as is? Should we edit what we do? Should we remove this entirely? Um, and I really think the biggest question mark is going through North Wilkesboro. Um, if this all-star race goes well, this surface is what they are looking for, the tire compound what they're looking for, and they get the product that they want, and they get the fan response that they want, I have a hard time believing that, you know, they would pass up on having that as a points-paying cup race in 2024. Um, And if they can vacate this particular spot um, and make a triple header for next year, Cup Xfinity and and Truck, um, I can't imagine that that would be something they wouldn't be looking into. So I, I think the not confirmed is really just very subjective based upon the all-star race. Once the all-star race goes through and once they find their talking point for that, they're going to debate it. They're going to argue it. And we'll probably end up getting some kind of uh decision most likely no later than July, in my opinion. But I think North Wilkesboro is going to be the, uh, the domino that's going to, you know, push, push everything else over.
0: Okay. Well, I had not thought about it like that. My, my stance was going to be woke. I hope it's because they're battling with NASCAR on swapping the date around uh, because Easter has backfired on them for two years straight, like we've been talking about for the last 40 minutes. So um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, before we get really into the truck and cup race, I do want to kind of ask you, as someone who wants to see these guys go to a more permanent uh d- d- dirt track for this race and or any other racing what do you see in the future of nascar as far as dirt racing
1: all three um, series. all three series well considering the xfinity series has never run a dirt event since you know the inception of nascar on dirt or at least the revival of it i should say um back in 2013 It's either been Trucks or Cup. It's never been the Xfinity Series, um, which always surprised me. But um, my stance on having dirt racing, it's cool. It's a novelty item. Um, Do I think it belongs as a points-paying event? No. Um, I do feel that it'd be best left as an exhibition event. But, of course, that is just how I'm standing on it right now, sitting here. Um, if there was a more clear cut look at everything, um, and saying, Hey, you know, we have this, this racetrack you guys are going to have, um, this is your racetrack to do whatever you shall like for it. Cool. Awesome. Love it. Um, shit. even if they had, they had the original intention of, of just moving, uh, North Wilkesboro over to dirt, um, before paving it, you know, if, if they found out there was a cool opportunity there, that'd be awesome. Um, I, I think that dirt is something that needs to be shelved for a little bit, at least for the cup series, the truck series is it, it's a topsy turvy, wacky series. Um, and I think it's, it's great for testing. It's great for, you know, keeping ideas open. Um, and same thing for cup series, non-point races. It's a great idea for testing. Um, but I, I think as far as having a cup series dirt race for points, yeah, I'm I'm okay without
0: it. Okay, I I don't know how long it's going to to be <coughs> going on. I think I think you could be right that we don't see it next year, uh, and we don't see it maybe in Cup forever going forward. Um, I think. Seeing as that we've got two of them on the truck schedule. I don't think it's going anywhere from the trucks. If anything, they will hopefully expand on it because I think the more truck races we get on whatever type of short track, the better, uh, because I'm getting tired of these damn these to get him guys. We talked about it with Colton, uh, about this race. That was 250 miles of Texas last week. Um, <sighs> I just, the, the truck series has gone from being some of the best racing in NASCAR to completely losing its identity. So I think we need to give it its identity back. And I think dirt racing could be a part of that. Uh, Make the triple truck challenge three dirt races and call it a day. Um, I do not either see Xfinity holding on to dirt because, uh, Basically, all the owners said, we don't want to do that because they were originally announced for 2021's um, spring uh, weekend at Bristol. And uh, the the owners basically said, no, we're good. Uh, So (coughs) I think that'll be it. So it'll be interesting to see if we just witnessed dirt run its course in the top series of the sport. So uh, as far as that's concerned, let's go to the truck race. Not really much to commentate on. We talked about Joey Logano, Tyre Majeski, and William Byron being up there. We had a we had a few other guys coming in here to in there to do uh double duty, notably uh Jonathan Davenport, who's basically the best in the business of super late model racing on dirt right now. Um he was just kind of there in both races, so I don't really feel like we have anything to add to that conversation. However, the truck race was pretty much a caution fest, and about half of these cautions were caused by either single car incidents or caused by or either single car incidents caused by a left rear tire or a left rear tire going down, causing a multiple car incident. So, what I mean, what do we have to take away from that? They brought a new tire, but I mean.
1: I mean, I don't know if the weather really affected everything, um, how everything changed. Um, you know, if year to year they're, they're changing up the, the setups on their trucks to have a different kind of load um, and then combined with a brand new tire. Uh, it very well could have been a situation of which they were expecting an older tire that we had in 21 and 22 and set up accordingly. Um, not entirely sure. But, you know, to have a bunch of left rears go down, it, it's, it's a little concerning. Um, and I'm sure that Goodyear is probably already looking into it if they already don't have some kind of yeah. explanation for it. They're probably going to say, oh, you know, you guys didn't have your, your tire pressures proper, you know, compared to what we're, we're asking you guys to, to, to have. Um, you know, so really it, it's just, it could very well be a situation of team discretion. They need to be a little bit better with it. Um, but as far as the Caution Fest is going, Listen, it it sucks. Um, You never want to see a a race be filled with nothing but cautions. Um, It really takes away from the excitement of the event itself um, in a really, really big way. So it's a bummer. It sucks. But, you know, it it is going to happen from time to time. You know, we've had plenty of races that are just straight through, green flag, and, you know, you're not going to get much of an an intermission. so I, I guess a caution fest here and there isn't an, a terrible thing. Um, if it happens way more often than it should, then, then that's when you can really, be really should look into it and say, hey, what can we do differently? Um, you know, but you got a lot of young drivers who probably have never run dirt before um, and having to figure it all out all at once. So um, it, it, it can be a hell of a mixture um kind of boil it all together and um you know it, it it is what it is sometimes it's just just how it goes
0: yeah for me uh obviously i don't like watching cars wreck because that's not racing um but it was just weird because i'm usually bashing the truck series at short trucks because driver error is just you know stupidity causing millions of dollars of damage and it was just the tires blowing most of these incidences were not bonehead moves or someone spinning out it was just the the tires weren't holding up and that surprised me because we've been doing this since what 2011 with the truck series and we haven't had any major updates except for the front clip uh basically the whole time we went from the stereotypical original splitter setup that we had on trucks and cup to a five-star manufactured composite nose and that's the only change that we've had in the truck series since we started dirt racing way back and i believe it was t- it was 2011 or 2012 at outdoor and we've never seen tire issues in that whole span so i don't know what happened, uh, and. Ironically, the first year we had 21 degrees of banking and it's down to either 18 or 19 degrees of banking. So there shouldn't be more load. So I'm not sure. I believe though that that was the reason that the race was not as good as it could have been because like you said, cautions don't really allow for anything to happen. And you see three guys not trade positions, basically the whole entire race. I think that's because they weren't having to save their tires because the runs were so short and, stock car racing is basically hindered by whether or not the tire falls off and you can't really push or save if you're starting and stopping every 13 laps. Yeah. So that's that's where it comes for me. Um, that's basically the truck race. I mean, Joey dominated, but there's not really much to say about that. Um, no, he
1: just kicked everybody's ass and that was about it.
0: Yeah, I love the paint scheme. That was pretty cool.
1: It was, that, it was that, neat looking. The
0: Hang Ten logo definitely uh, took the hanging loose style of dirt racing uh, good, or made it look pretty good out there as well. Uh, his uh, victory lane interview was pretty funny, though. Um, he was talking about the the guy that was being persistent and flipping him off every single lap and that, that, that guy missed the race. And he was like, he said something along the lines of like, we got to keep, we got to keep them entertained and engaged. So we, I did my job tonight or something. And that was the <laughs> most legendary quote I think I've ever heard that goofy man ever say. So I was very ecstatic about that. Um You got anything else for the truck race? I mean,
1: nothing. It, it was just cut and dry. I mean, I, I as Straight to the point, you could possibly get it. Bunch of cautions and Joey Logano kicking everybody's ass. That was that that was the truck race for you.
0: Some and sometimes that's not that bad. I mean, I wasn't disappointed and I wasn't you know thoroughly enthused, huh? It was just another NASCAR race. But what I do want to talk about is the truck points picture. We are about six races in, which is usually when you can start to see the ball roll on a season. Ty Majeski is leading the points series for the truck series over Zane Smith, who has two wins by 34 points. Uh, what do you have to say about the guy uh, driving that number 98 car or truck? Excuse me.
1: So I'm looking at Ty Jeski here and obviously very well decorated, iRacing driver, very well decorated, late model driver. Knows what he's doing, knows how to get around, um, you know, a lot of these short tracks, which, you know, is – has proved well for him, um, but his truck series stats have gotten better and better and better as he's gotten along. Um, finally got the opportunity to have a full-time ride in 2022 with Thor Sport, and he made sure he put it to good use. Um, 23 starts, 15 top tens, 10 top fives, and two race victories, um, as well as a spot in the final four. So it is no surprise to me that at this stage of his career, um, he's finally starting to get some shit onto him. Um, And I'm looking at what he's put together this season. It is insane. Um, When you look at everything that he's done this season, the only finish he's had outside of the top 10 was Atlanta, and he finished 11th. So he has been really, really strong. An average start of a 2.7. His worst start this year is fourth. Fourth. That's his worst start all year long. And his average finish is a 5.2. Absolutely insane. Um, He's finished in the top five for four out of the six events so far this season, including three second-place finishes. Um, He's just lighting it up on fire right now. He's doing a fantastic job running in one of the best vehicles that – this sport has to offer in Thor Sport. So, really, really cool to see Ty Majeski doing what Ty Majeski came out here to do. And that is just kick ass and take names. That's for damn sure. Yeah. It's
0: surprising <coughs> when you look at the standings because he's kind of been doing this all quietly, right? You don't really hear about Ty Majeski on the broadcast week in and week out, but he's just, he's he's always there. Um, he's very, having a very quiet but grandiose season um and then zane smith who's been in all the headlines has two wins is all people can talk about because he's racing a cup because he's doing this because he's doing that um so it's surprising to look just how good time majeski is doing early this season before the season started i said william byron is going to be the the knockout guy he's going to win a championship i think this is his year i think time majeski is saying the same thing for the Craftsman Truck Series. I think this is his breakout year. He's been there for a couple seasons now, and I think that um, this could be also a championship year for him, as good as he's running.
1: I mean, it very well could be. I'm looking at James fifth stats, and, you know, he's got three top, uh, yeah, three top fives, actually three top twos. Um, he finished first, second, and first. So first at Daytona, second at Las Vegas, and first again at Austin um outside of that he has not finished inside of the top 10. um he actually has two finishes uh 20th or worse 20th and 21st at atlanta and bristol dirt respectively so he's got two poles on the year um his average starts in 8.2 and his average finishes is a 9.8 um solely due to the fact that his his three top twos have been the redeeming factor of uh of his other blunders so Zane Smith, of course, is going to be in in the news. The, the uh, defending Truck Series champion, um, you know, definitely a, a really big deal for him. Um, Taking over in the Cup Series for a few races, um, you know, he's he's bringing sponsorship up there and um, helping out with, with with that aspect. So, yeah, I, I mean, Zane Smith is going to be in, in the headlines, but that should not deter anybody from looking into what time a Jeske has been able to accomplish. Um, Definitely a really, really big deal for him. To go out and and get himself uh, a a race win is going to be the utmost of importance, but I do not believe he's going to have to wait too much longer.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got 15 playoff (laughs) points as he sits in point standings right now, being in first. So that's going to help regardless of if he's going to get a win or not. Uh, it's just very interesting to see the schools of thought between those two uh, top top runners leading to such a majority uh, victory right now for Ty Majewski in the point standings because he's been Mr. Consistency while Zayn has been checkers or wreckers. So it's really cool to see how that is unfolding. But something else that's pretty cool to see unfold is the battle from 8th to... 13th in the point standings. This is pointing your way into the top 10 for the playoffs. Tanner Gray at 156 points, followed by Matt Benedetto, Nick Sanchez in 10th, Chase Purdy in 11th, and Carson Hosovar and Stuart Friesen, who are in 12th and 13th and 142 points back. Obviously, Carson just locked up the win at Texas, so he's he's automatically in. But these other guys down this order... To see that they are within fourteen points of each other after six races, I think this is going to be an actual good points race to get into the Craftsman Truck Series playoffs compared to normal.
1: I I can definitely agree with that. Um, and you got some pretty pretty hard hitting talent. You know, Matt Benedetto he is a former Cup Series driver. Uh, Truck Series winning last season at Talladega. Nick Sanchez, defending ARCA champion Chase Purdy, he is nothing to shake your head at. Uh, racing for Kyle Busch Motorsports, <clears> Carson Hocevar, as we talked about, um, already locked himself up um, a spot. Stuart Friesen, he is somebody you always have to keep an eye on. He has been in this sport for a while, got himself a few wins, um, and also locked himself to the top, uh, the final four a couple times as well. So he knows how to get around uh, a Craftsman truck. So. He's always going to be an outlier, well, not necessarily an outlier, but driver you have to keep your eye on for sure. Um, lots of really, really talented names that are here, um, all running in that battle. So yeah, I, I definitely do feel you're going to see a great points battle heading into uh, playoff time. Um, looking at what we have here as far as the playoffs are concerned, you know, you're looking at all the races that are coming up. Um, you got. Kansas, I'm sorry, Martinsville uh, coming up this weekend. Then Kansas a couple weeks after that. Darlington, Wilkesboro. um, You got a lot of hard racetracks for these drivers to have to get around. Um, Charlotte, Gateway, Nashville. um, And you got another road course coming up at Mid Ohio. You got Pocono. um, And that's when you're going to start to get into the thick of things. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, I do believe that IRP is going to be the kickoff for the playoffs, which is August 11th. So Richmond is going to be the cutoff event. Um, That means there are 10 races until the playoffs start um, between now and uh, Mm -hmm. Richmond. So you got a very diverse schedule and um, any one of those drivers can find themselves winning, winning a race for sure. Um, And two brand new racetracks as well. So
0: with Milwaukee in there uh, alongside, Wilkesboro. So
1: yeah, and, and, and Milwaukee is also in the playoffs. Oh, wow, um, okay. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's the second race of the playoffs. Uh round one of the truck series playoffs, IRP Milwaukee in Kansas. And round two is Bristol Talladega Homestead. Um so <coughs> got a, a, a very diverse schedule coming up. Yeah, it's pretty meeting.
0: pretty wild set of tracks for the for the end of the year, too, for those seven races.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got two short tracks, you got a mile and a half, another <clears throat> short track, super speed by a mile and a half, and a, a mile oval. So, a um, lot of exciting stuff coming up for the truck series. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what happens. Um, you know, it's going to be exciting to see how these guys go about it.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, which is the first time in a couple of years, honestly, that the trucks have been enticing to watch for 23 races. So I'm excited. We have a good group of guys and um, a good mixed bag of, of truck series regulars now rather than just a couple of guys who are still veterans and then a couple of guys still putting their legs on. Um, but let's move on to Sunday night and the cup race. Um 250 laps, we got all of them through. We didn't have overtime. It was pretty procedural race. We had a bunch of cautions. I think you said there were 16 cautions?
1: Let me check. I know it was above 13, that's for sure. Um, it, it was a lot more than um, I expected. 14 cautions for 73 14. laps.
0: Okay, two of those being the stage cautions, and I'm not sure if they did the 50-lap breaks this year or not? Uh, but I we do not have. They did okay. So we had four stage cautions essentially. So um, it like the truck series race. No real long runs over the course of the night, but we did have some pretty big incidents. First off was the incident between Joey Logano, Bubba Wallace, and William Byron, and this was really early in the race. Uh, I think we both have a different opinion on the the way that this went down. But, I mean, what was this to you? Just a racing incident? Was it some, someone being a little too hard, a little too early, or or what was going on?
1: Um, I mean, really what it came down to is Bubba Wallace, you know, from my perspective at least, he gets loose, um, loses it in, in between the turn, um, and Joey Logano, way it was peaked out, and you have Bubba Wallace here, you had Joey Logano back over here. Logano jumped down in front of, of Byron, and you can tell that Byron gets out of the gas. You see the flames kick out of the exhaust, so he hops off of, of the throttle before he was supposed to, um, and Logano cuts him off. Bubba gets loose. Logano has to check up, and Byron is right on Logano's ass. So there really is nowhere for William Byron to go other than directly into the 22 car. There's only so much braking you can do, especially on a dirt track, for you to be able to slow yourself up and not hit anybody, especially when you're that close. It's close quarters racing. It's tight, um, you know, and, and it's it's going to get like that every once in a while. Um, so, you know, Bubba Wallace <clears throat> getting loose was, was definitely the catalyst for all that. And Joey Logano jumping in front of William Byron certainly didn't help.
0: Yeah, so you broke it down kind of my initial thoughts was basically that William Byron could have slowed down more and he didn't. Uh your breakdown kind of changed my mind on that. But still uh to me there's a bunch of stuff going on. I wonder what part the spotters had to involve involved what part of this the spotters were involved in because Bubba initially running running up the track wide is one thing, but was, I mean, Coleman <clears throat> Presley able to say to Joey that Byron's coming down low, or is did he say clear go low? Or because the twenty three is going up, um, I'm just not so sure um, at this point what the spotters were were able to do in this situation, um, and. I've seen where stuff like this has happened on dirt racing, um, and we don't get so much cautions. Now that could be just because the cars are completely different, but it seems like the guys who don't have spotters could could have since, uh, could have handled this situation better than 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 this this cluster happened. So I don't know. Um, it was just kind of a disappointment to me because I mean, it was really early in the race, and it seemed like Logano was being really aggressive, Byron was being really aggressive, and Bubba just missed a corner.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a culmination of everything. I don't, I don't think it's any one driver's fault. Um, everything happened in that order, and you know, I think if Bubba Wallace spun out and Joey Logano doesn't jump in front of William Byron right before they get into the turn. Logano and Byron both, both missed that, um, and it's just a quick one-car one, one car spin that everybody avoids, and, and you know, we keep moving on from that. But everything worked out the way that it did, and it happens. That's yeah. why they call it a racing incident.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if any of the drivers were mad about that. They definitely weren't in post-race, the ones that were getting a lot of the flack. The ones that were were Ryan Priest and, and Kyle Larson. Um, so they got into each other uh, more than a couple times during – the The race, uh, eventually leading to uh, Priest turning the five, uh, which also collected Jonathan Davenport. So, what do you think about that whole, uh, I guess, book of of Sunday night's race?
1: I mean, chapter? listen, I I can't really say that I'm all that surprised. Ryan Priest went on an absolute fucking tirade after Coda. <laughs> it was you know calling everybody a bunch of hacks. He's pissed off he's frustrated and he wants to be raced, you know, properly. I get it. Um, you know, so what ended up happening was priest was got, he got put into the wall by, by Kyle Larson. Um, you know, and it looked like it was an unintentional act, but you know, Ryan priest also had, um, you know, his, his right rear toe link get busted. So he's really not feeling all that great about it. Um, you know, and Kyle Larson, after he'd been getting repped, got out of the out of the car, went into the to the, the media center, and had a conversation with you know a bunch of media members. And you know, he's like, it was like a good hour and a half since you know that had happened. I thought that you know maybe he didn't forget it, but he'd at least be you know beyond that, or we could have had a conversation about it or something. Um, you know, he in verbatim he said, you know, we're a bunch of adults, and you know, I, we just get the fuck over it. Um, It is what it is, and, you know, in light of the whole Denny Hamlin situation, him talking about, you know, wrecking Chastain and all that, and him getting a penalty because of that, um, Ryan Priest is not going to sit in front of a camera and say, yeah, I wrecked him, or yeah, I got into him. Um, He just said, I got loose. You know, I'm I'm not a dirt racer, so I got loose. Um, And culpability is, is completely washed hands out. <laughs> um, and, and that is is that. That is a byproduct of what NASCAR has, has produced. Um, you can't really penalize somebody for saying they got loose. So, you know, do I think that Priest didn't intentionally? I mean, the way that it looked, I can't really sit here and say that it wasn't. So, um, you know, Priest is pissed off. He's upset. I get it. Um, it is what it is. It's, it's a racing deal. Um, you know, Larson and priest both got out of the car and, and they said that uh, they're moving on. You know, they, they they washed their hands clean of it, and they're going on to next week and, and, and that's gonna be it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, so he's sitting he being priest, uh 27th in points, I think. And he's been beating around. You said he went on the at Dakota. I don't think this is not not or I, I, I words are hard apparently. I think this was intentional. Uh, Like you said, nobody's going to say anything anymore about anything uh, regarding whether anything's intentional or not after the Denny Hammond penalty. Um, He, according to NASCAR, um, (laughs) manipulated the uh, outcome of a race. So that's, that's fun to poke fun at uh, going forward. But, I don't know if I'm Larson, I his comments after the race kind of pushed me the wrong way because he's one of the guys that races very aggressively and uses the four the uh eight tires are better than four mentality, week in and wink out. So I find it funny that when someone, you know, says enough's enough that he would say it make the grown-up comment. I don't know. That's where I'm at with it.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I I, I think, you know, what Joey Logano said way back when everybody's two faced and I can absolutely say for certain that everybody has a different side of them when they get, get into the race car. Um, And then when they hop out of the race car, they got got a different feeling about certain things. So, you know, I I totally get it. I I understand a thousand percent. Um, And uh, it's, it's a racing deal and Move on. That's it.
0: Well, I mean, I'm sure they will. Um, I don't think this is the end of the villain arc that has started for Ryan Priest, though. So, um, and that could be an incentivized thing because he's so far down the points that he might he might not be in trouble. He's only in the car because Tony wanted him to be in the car. And we all know that. Yeah. So we might have to see what happens the rest of the season. Uh, moving on to another driver. This driver had a couple of incidents. Incidents incidents. Uh and uh he saved his car from spinning out a couple times and that's Michael McDowell. What did you think about seeing the thirty-four spin around twice and him going uh all around with it?
1: Uh you flip that number thirty-four around you get the 43. Yeah the spirit of, of uh, old Ken Block he uh spun that bitch around spun it back in and front and, and and kept it going twice. Um one thing that I will say though is that NASCAR had their hand over that button quick. Uh, The first time McDowell spun, it was almost instantaneous. He was probably about 90 degrees around, and they had that caution light flicked on. The second time around, um, it was actually uh, a a series of of spins and mishaps for about four or five different drivers that NASCAR did not throw a caution out for within about a a three-lap span. So applause, NASCAR. Great job. For, uh, for, for seeing everybody getting their their bearings under them. No debris gets put on the track, no fluid gets put on the track, and everybody gets away safely. Um, love the fact that NASCAR was a little more conscientious uh, towards the end, um, making sure that the only cautions that were really called were the ones that were necessary.
0: Yeah. For me, uh, in either of those places, I wouldn't have thrown the caution – so I'm 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 glad. Like you brought up some of the some of the other incidents going on. Uh, they they let the race play play out. Um, but damn good job. Uh, you don't see many saves in races, and you don't see the same guy make the same save multiple times in races. I think I think uh, one the one that stands out would be the 2011 or maybe it was the 2012 uh, Bud Shootout where Kyle Busch saved the car three times in one chain of events Um, other than that you know what michael mcdowell's a wheel man he was gonna go and be a kart racer before that whole thing dissolved and he came over here to nascar and he's just kind of been a field filler with a daytona 500 trophy so i like watching him race he does really good at uh road courses because of his background so unsurprising to me that he would have the car control uh to get it jammed right back into gear and, and moving on. Um, Twitter had a bunch to say about the end of the race. All that for a Bell win, all that for a caution, all that, all that. Basically calling the race ending under caution, anticlimactic, despite NASCAR trying to stay green.
1: Huh. I mean, they did their best. They really did. You know, you've got a driver who's – incapacitated on the racetrack in the racing groove for the last pass of the race. Um, God for fucking bid. There was a situation in which one of those two drivers got hindered by Ross Chastain's uh, car. Hell would have broken loose because they didn't throw a caution. Um, So NASCAR made the right move. Um, It was the anticlimactic. Hell yeah. But was it for the benefit of safety and integrity? Hell yeah. So you got to pick and choose what battle you're really wanting to fight. You want to fight the battle of, of, well, the finish could have been better, but at least everybody was safe. Or, hey, this guy was put in a very unsafe position, and you ruined the outcome of the race. So, you know, you got to take the lesser of two evils, and the route that they took was the best route, and I, I applaud NASCAR for going about that the proper way.
0: Yeah, I just – I wish sometimes people would use their head and not just whine about everything that doesn't go the exact <laughs> way they want it. So that's all I have to say about that pretty much. I mean, I'm surprised they didn't throw the caution the first time that he spun out, but the fact that he got into the wall the second time, they had to throw it. I commend them for trying to stay green. Um, yeah. But, you know, if there's obstruction in front of the leaders, there's no way you stay green. That's just dangerous. 100%. Um, we, we learned that deal in 2004 in New Hampshire. We don't need to go through it again.
1: So, 100%. Uh, so.
0: With that, uh, Christopher Bell wins, uh, and this is the first time a dirt guy uh, wins the Bristol Dirt Race.
1: Uh, pretty cool. I think it's awesome that Christopher Bell got to get that race win. Um, super, super cool for, for him to be able to get to victory lane for the first time this season. Uh, also cool little nugget. He is since 2021, the winningest Joe Gibbs racing driver, um, which is quite a surprise. Um, he's really coming to his own ever since coming over to Joe Gibbs racing from the defunct LFR, um, Levine family racing, um, back in 2020. Um, really, really cool for him to, to, to finally figure it all out. And uh, it's good to know that that 20 car could have won all these races uh, with Eric Jones behind the wheel, but uh, here we are. So um, Christopher Bell doing a great job and I'm looking at a tweet here um, posted earlier today and uh, said, this win is for fellow dirt racer, Justin Owen. Uh, Of course he lost his life in a dirt racing accident over the weekend. um, So cool for him to be able to honor a uh, a fellow dirt racer um, who unfortunately was killed in action um so pretty pretty cool for him to be able to to get that race victory um and Bell also takes over the points lead um, yes, does. so cool for him and i'm looking at it right now the way that uh it's quite interesting um two of the top four drivers have um two or more dnfs That being Christopher Bell with uh, two DNFs, and Kyle Larson has three DNFs this year um, at Daytona, Atlanta, and Bristol Dirt. Yet he is still running fourth um, in the points, which I find. Do we even know
0: if if he's running fourth? What's who's okay? So two Hendrick cars should have sixty point penalties, right? That'd be the forty eight and the twenty four.
1: Correct. The 48 and the, the, the 24 were both tagged uh, at the R&D Center, um, which I uh, don't know if you saw, Hendrick Rota Sports also said they are not going to appeal it. They just want to move past it and move on to next week and focus on uh, okay. getting their cars straight. So Alex Bowman and uh, William Byron, their points penalties uh, as far as the actual points, um, not playoff points. They were not levied any playoff points. Um, they are both going to be upheld, and uh, yeah, I mean, listen. It, well, it I mean is.
0: that moves Alex Bowman from ten points back of Christopher Bell, which is interesting because he would still not be the he would still be the points that are uh, referring to Bell. But that moves Bowman from second to eleventh, so he goes from having uh, let's see, ten playoff points to currently. I don't think he has any. Yeah, oh, uh, he doesn't have any stage wins, so he goes from yeah, having ten. He goes from yeah. having ten to zero. So that that's, screws that, him out of a lot.
1: That's um, a big deal. That's a really, really big deal because if he was able to hold something up there, that's fifteen points at the end of the season. Um, which you know, if we were following anything at all last season with 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 uh, Chase Elliott, um, if he didn't have any of the points that he ended up accruing from, whether it be wins, stage wins, or even him winning the regular season championship, he wouldn't have been a final four driver.
0: Right. Yeah. So that's interesting to see that they're not going to uphold that. Um <coughs> Or they're going to let them uphold that, I should say. So I, I would fight it, but obviously they don't want to deal with going to the appeals room yet again. Um So that's, that's pretty much it for that race. Uh, other than, we saw for the for the first time, like I said, Christopher Bell being the dirt guy that won. But we also saw Tyler Reddick, Chase Briscoe, Austin Dillon, Ricky Stenthouse Jr., and Justin Haley finish in the top six. So other than Larson, uh, who is on that list, all the dirt guys finished up front for the first time, um, really dominating this dirt exhibition points races
1: (laughs) um from what i could tell you know tony stewart he had a lot to say about the track he said this track looks fantastic um and for a guy that literally owns a dirt track for him to be able to say that it's they've come a long way um i think the rain had a lot to do with it um helping with track conditions um there was a lot of character to the track um maybe a little less banking helped with the track as well so this really, really played into the hands of the drivers that knew how to get around dirt very well. Um, and even, you know, Kyle Larson, who ended up having his DNF, he was still the driver who was one of those to beat. I know that Christopher Bell, won ex- he led exactly um, 100 laps last night in yesterday's event, um, but Kyle Larson, he also led 75 of the yeah, 250 he that laps. stage one one as well. He, he most certainly ran, um, a solid race before, um, crashing out or getting wrecked. Um, so the dirt drivers favored more than anybody else. Um, and I think that everybody doesn't really understand just how good Austin Dillon is on the dirt. I hope everybody understands now just how damn good he is on the dirt. He was the inaugural truck series winner back in 2013 at Eldora. Um, he is definitely, um, an outlier for sure. Um, certainly an underdog really cool to see him finish in the top five um but yeah i I mean really really solid dirt racers with great um great track records ricky stenhouse jr a great dirt racer as well um he found himself finishing in the top five um he's having himself a really good season as well uh that of ricky stenhouse jr of course he won the Daytona 500 um, but he's still maintained a pretty (coughs) decent spot um overall um he's got three top 10 finishes Um, And if it weren't for a couple of mishaps here and there um, between Las Vegas and and Richmond, um, he'd probably have a better points position. But um, good season for for Ricky Stenhouse. Pretty pretty cool to see him do what he's doing this year.
0: Yeah. um, And that's about it for Bristol. Um, Anything else that we really need to talk about from the week before we shut it down?
1: I think that's it, man. I I think, you know, everything we hit on, you know, we had a lot of good stuff to talk about. Um, You know, uh, we got another week coming up. We're getting back onto pavement, going to Martinsville. Very excited for Martinsville. Um, With what I've seen with this short track package, I hope that we do have a a tire fall-off situation. However, the only downfall that I think is going to um, really hurt Martinsville is going to be the um, shifting. So we're, we're, we're going to see what kind of situation we have coming up for, uh, for this weekend. But regardless, I love going to Martinsville. So it'll be nice.
0: Yeah, well, hopefully that's the thing that's wrong and NASCAR can finally fix it. Interestingly enough, I think they were only using four gears at the dirt race. Why can we not do that on all short tracks? Uh, that's the question that we'll have to leave. For the racing gods that are NASCAR, IndyCar is also at Long Beach this weekend, so that'll be fun. Uh, Supercross season is winding down, so if you're ch- keeping up with those championships, uh, have fun with that. Uh, I gotta watch since well, Daytona was the last race that I watched, so I've gotta <laughs> I've gotta catch up on that. Um, the only other thing is uh, we did have an emergency podcast from Denny Hamlin about the appeals process. Yes, uh, thirty seven minutes long. Short, sweet, and to the point. What did you think about that?
1: Loved it. Loved it. Um, You know, we we have been hearing about the appeals panel, especially now the last few weeks with Hedrick Motorsports' appeal, the Colling Appeal, Denny Hamlin's appeal, um, and we've been hearing about it for years. We never hear about the appeals process. Um, And for those who haven't heard, please be able to listen. Uh, Actually, it's detrimental. It's fantastic. Um, Gives you a very different perspective of how this sport operates Um, He was able to convey a very easily understandable um, situation of how the whole sport goes about the whole process, um, what is necessary, what goes about everything. It's really, really cool, really neat. Um, But it is so insightful, something that I don't think anybody here really expected to hear, um, but I loved it and um, he gave his raw emotions on things. You know, he explained how, you know, it felt going through the process and feeling he was actually doing a really good job with the process. Um, he and uh, his uh, co-presenter um, really thought they were making a run for, for getting everything overturned. And, you know, they said at the very end that it was going to be upheld and he just couldn't believe it. Um, so it's a very interesting process. Um, love the fact that he took the time to literally come from the appeals process right to the studio yeah. and go ahead and do this podcast for all of us. Um, by no means does he have to do that. And I appreciate Denny Hamlin for that. Um, my newfound love and respect for that man has skyrocketed through the roof. And, um, this podcast has certainly been, uh, a, a great addition to all of the great pieces of media that we get in NASCAR. Um, It shakes up a lot. I know he released one again today. I have listened to that at some point. Um, But, man, it it is such a great little addition to um, all the NASCAR media that we have.
0: Yeah. It has quickly become uh, one of my favorite parts of the week. Uh, And in that (laughs) episode this Thursday was – or Wednesday, whenever it was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. it actually has me kind of concerned, though, because like you said, they were saying everything. The appeals panel was agreeing with them. NASCAR was agreeing with them during during their arguments, their opening statements, their rebuttal, everything. And it still wound up getting to the penalty. Um, that bothers me a lot. I don't understand that at all, um, especially when, when he puts out something that basically says, uh, this is what happened in 34 instances since 2016. Uh, none of these guys got penalized. Here are some instances where people said that they did things during those 34 things, you know, while well, some were not. No one got penalized. Uh, and then I look back to the William Byron one last year at Texas, and he, he had his penalty reversed. Um, so I, I, I don't feel good about it. Um, NASCAR is going to implement new rules that they put out sometime last week after the Hendricks stuff that this process could be more uh, open by putting parts out um, so that they can be seen when illegal parts happen. Uh, the appeals panel cannot overturn certain things um, going forward and stuff like that. But I just feel like the last few weeks have been really messy. And <clears throat> hearing what happened to Denny Hamlin, um, just has me disappointed in the whole thing. Uh, I agree. even more. Um, and I think it's great that we, we got everything out on the table from Denny, but man, it just doesn't make sense. It just nope. doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah, that's about it for this week. Uh, thanks to Keith again for coming on. I think this new schedule is working. Uh, everybody but me gets two weeks off <laughs> and then, uh, you know, well, well, uh, We'll keep this going for as long as we need to. Uh, but it's always a joy having you on, Keith. So thank you uh, for being the third host of the show. And uh, I guess I'll go ahead and start the playback music. And we'll see you guys next week.
1: Enjoy Martinsville, boys.